Yeah, Welcome back to the Valley of Variety. I am Ben Yates. I am Jacob Jones. And I just have one question for you, Jacob. What is going on? This is... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the craziest trade deadline day in the past, I don't know, decade? I don't know a crazier trade deadline. The craziest trade since today was like Anthony Davis to the Lakers a few, like yeah. a couple of years ago. Right. And that was, everyone expected that. Yes. And no, every single person that's been talking about this trade happening was like, there's no way. Yeah, I know James Harden does that to people, but there's no way he does that two consecutive years to right. two different teams. <laughs> no more beating around the bush. You can say the report from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. We are looking at the tweet right now. Yeah, so the Brooklyn Nets are trading James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, and Andre Drummond with two first-round picks. One of them is unprotected in this year's draft. Just insane. I mean, and like you said, I think we all kind of had an idea of what was going to happen and James Harden trying to force his way out of Brooklyn. But man, even knowing it may happen, that is still insane. Right. I, just, I can't wrap my head around it. And the duo that's being formed with Harden and Embiid is just ridiculous. Offensively, how are you going to guard that? Defensively, well, Embiid is going to be hard to, you know, <laughs> yes. hard to get yeah. by. But Harden, you know, it's not going to be like Ben Simmons. And this is just going to be, I just, I'm so looking forward to May, June, and July. I mean, what a playoff series this would be if... Brooklyn and Philadelphia end up meeting each other somewhere oh down the God. line. Depends, it obviously depends where the seeding is at the end of the year. But, man, what an amazing matchup that would be to see those two teams go at it in the NBA playoffs. If I am not mistaken, since they are division rivals, mm-hmm. Brooklyn plays in Philadelphia on March 10th. Do they really? I think that I need to find that, but I'm pretty sure you that was find the Kevin Durant. Real quick. I think Kevin Durant t- tweeted that out. <laughs> <laughs> Circle of the day. Oh, Kevin's Kevin's reaction was oh was just something. This Joel is... Troel Embiid. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> this is just insane. I think just and that obviously goes along with the trade line, but it doesn't make it any crazier that it already happened. I mean, this is yeah, not only like the biggest news in the past seven years, but the fact that Ben Simmons has been away from the NBA for the last, I don't know, four or five months? Yeah. And that, you know, I think the one question for me that I'm looking forward to is that does Ben Simmons show up? That's a good poll question. Did Ben Simmons' health, uh, mental health just improve? Oh, I think so. <laughs> you know, he's been, ever since he passed up a dunk in the uh, Eastern Conference semis, I, he's really never been the same. Yeah, he just went back down. <laughs> I don't think he's ever been the same since Kendall left, to be, to, to be honest just, with you. It's just tanking. It's just, <laughs> he's on it's just and, now, and now watching Devin, and, you know, she's wearing sun jackets now. It's just been <laughs> totally plummeting, but hopefully, you know, if he does have some more luck in Brooklyn, not only in his love life, but in his basketball life. Mm-hmm. We can get back to the old Ben Simmons actually putting up dunks and making three-pointers. If the old Ben Simmons does return, we are talking about a really good Brooklyn Nets team. Yeah. And we keep talking about how the Sixers are winning this, how Harden and Embiid are going to be crazy. But if you have Kyrie you know, for most of the games, Ben Simmons and Durant, that's still a great lineup. That I think it just adds more depth. Brooklyn desperately needed. You know, James Harden's been injured off and on. Kyrie obviously dealing with his... Um, on and off court problems, and then obviously Kevin Durant, but having a guy that hopefully will be a lot more stable, which is funny to be talking about when you're talking about Ben Simmons, yeah, should definitely help them a lot more in the long run. Hopefully, giving them more of a long term ability, a long term role player that they've desperately needed. I think this is a really good move for Brooklyn. Uh, looking back on it, obviously 
Philadelphia gets a lot from this as well. Seth Curry and a couple other players, plus a couple um, future draft picks. So this is so it's hard to tell who exactly won this, but you know if I had to go off the naked eye, I think I think Philadelphia is coming out this with a big smile on their face. Yeah, and now now we can probably put to a conclusion that you know the process of Philadelphia is kind of depleted. Yes. <laughs> Unless this was the plan all along to get right. Harden from all of this, and, yeah, and like is, you know five years later. It's like, kind of fun. Maybe this is all Sam Hinkie's plan. You know, he's looking yeah. back in his basement right now, just watching it all unfold. Yeah, I knew we'd get Harden one day. It's like, like, it's like the uh, no, you wouldn't. I don't know if you watch Game of Zones, but the Game of Zones where he's talking to Joel Embiid, he said, "Always trust the process," and then he ends up being at one of the games under like a under a like a cloak hood. or something. As if he hasn't done that in real life. Oh, I'm <laughs> that's their their source source material for Game of Zones is real life. Yeah, <laughs> I, I swear to God, I I saw Sam Hinkie at a Suns game once. Oh, I I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I think, and I also think he summers out here in Phoenix. He has fake IDs to get into games. That's another good full question. Does Sam Hinkie have a fake? Does ID Sam Hinkie have a fake ID? <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. You know, some Samuel Hank. That's his. <laughs> Sam. Samuel Hank. So he can get all, into all the cheesesteak places in Philadelphia without being yeah. recognized. He has uh, a little man. fake mustache. Yeah, I mean, because he was definitely run out of that place. We all remember what happened when Hinky was run out of Philadelphia and taken over by the, the Colangelos, which oh, yeah. is obviously a, a, a very uh, favored name here in the Valley. Brought all three sports teams here, and then the Cardinals moved here by way of the Bidwells. Speaking of which, other Phoenix Suns news on the trade timeline, Torrey Craig, the headband himself, is coming back to town, part of the 2021 NBA Finals team. The Suns did trade away Jalen Smith and cash considerations for uh, to the Indiana Pacers for our old friend Torrey Craig, and I could not be happier to see the headband himself back in the it, Valley. It's so funny that the Torrey Craig thing happening because I went to a Suns game with you as the Pacers, I believe. Yes. And he was, because, I mean, that's where he was, was the Pacers. Mm -hmm. uh, and we saw him play, uh, and everyone around you uh, and me and you yourself were just like, oh, that's Torrey. Yeah. We really yes. want Torrey back. It's... And then we're in the middle of class today, right at the beginning of uh, our G. Uh, our, our yeah, JMC, JMC 110, yeah. Yeah, we were looking on Woj's Twitter and I'm just like, you know, elbowing you like, hey, yeah. hey, hey, <laughs> Jalen's gone. <laughs> you just got Tory Craig back. <laughs> and it was just pure, you know, and I love Jalen, I think, and I hope Jalen goes on and has a great career somewhere, and maybe he'll come back to Phoenix later. But I was just so happy to see Tory. and I think a lot of Suns fans are. You know, it's great to see the role player that we had last year that helped so much during that finals run. Obviously, it didn't work out. But um, having Tory and having that depth back, and it's tough to have the Suns, and I think if, you, if you're if you James Jones, you're kind of looking at this saying, well, I have four big men now. I have Bismack Biombo, I have JaVale McGee, I have DeAndre Ayton. Do I really need a fourth guy in Jalen Smith that's going to be coming in garbage time? Right. So if you're James, James Jones, the one problem you've had this year is shooting. You know, it's and, and you know we've obviously had a problem with uh, not Cam Johnson, but Landry Shaman, who we got from, who we got yeah. from Brooklyn this offseason. He's been off and on almost the whole year. And so what do you do? You go and get a guy like Torrey Craig. And Torrey Craig's not the best shooter. You know, I, I think we all got very frustrated at the, in the finals because Torrey Craig just wasn't making his shots. And when he did, it hit off the backboard, go in, and he'd be, all, he'd be the hero for 20 seconds when he's running back up the floor. But hopefully it brings back the inside game that Torrey really worked on during the playoffs. We obviously, the, we obviously saw the, 
the alley-oop against the Nuggets where uh, the TNT commentator lost his mind. Uh, hold on for Craig. And so hopefully <laughs> one thing he also brings back to the, the locker room, I'm sure, which I cannot wait to see him walk in, it's just that energy. Torrey Craig brought a lot of energy last year and brought a lot of passion to the fun, to the playoffs. It's one of the reasons we made the finals is that Torrey Craig can come off the bench, play hard, you know, play dirty. I know he, he gave a few pushes here and there, but... I think it's exactly what the Suns need coming down. And the Suns didn't need to add much, but adding Torrey Craig is a huge, right. huge improvement as we're getting ready to head into the later later half of the season. Will, will you talk about Aaron Holiday the same way as Torrey Craig? Aaron Holiday, welcome. <laughs> oh, we're gonna meet you at the airport like we did after game six. We're we're gonna we're gonna bring you home and give you a big old hug. And I wanna I wanna also send my uh, my thanks to Cash Considerations for. Their great time in Phoenix. I remember when they first came here, and to see him leave with the le- with the legacy that um, where we created here in Phoenix, it'd be rough. So, cash considerations. I hope you have a great career somewhere else. And right. everyone's please, please favorite ta- asset. Please take care of yourself. Everyone's favorite asset on their team is cold hard cash considerations. Yes. <clears throat> My favorite part about all this and trade deadline is that the teams that do sell away or give away cash considerations for players always give the thank you cash. Post on their Twitter account. I think, I think the 76ers did it today, if I'm not mistaken. Did they really? Yeah, they sent like they had like a, a montage of just a bag of cash on the sideline, with a little with like the the Philadelphia lettering "Thank you, cash." And it's just it's been my new favorite thing this time of year is that when the teams thank cash considerations, it's almost a tradition now. It's something just that you know I always look forward to, and so I want I want to thank Cash again for being such a a good sport this uh, 2021-22 season. And while we have uh, you know the local trade here for the Suns, we have the James Harden one, there are several trades today that are impactful. And if the James Harden one didn't happen, the biggest trade today would be Kristaps Porzingis leaving Dallas yeah. for Washington and replacing Spencer Dinwiddie. That is just huge. And it's, it's different when you think about what Dallas has now. They have Davis Bertens, who is coming with Spencer Dinwiddie, who will probably be backup or starting with, you know, Maxi Cleaver and, uh, you know, whatever other big they have there. But that's a, that is a shout-out to Luca saying, like, you are the one and only player on this team. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. will have some supporting cast with Brunson, Dinwiddie, and others, but you are the guy. You're going to play all five positions, and you're going to get us to the playoffs yeah. maybe one round in. And I think what they see this, I'm sure what Mavs fans might be feeling right now is that, you know, they're telling Luca, you are the like you said, you are the guy, and, and I think it's a real test of you know we've seen a little bit here and there. Of can can Luca lead a whole team? Can Luca put a city on his back? Can Luca just take a whole team and take them to the playoffs and then see where it goes? And so I think it's gonna be a real test for a guy like Luca, after the third overall pick or the fourth no third overall pick by in the 2018 NBA draft, obviously DeAndre Ayton and then Marvis Bagley. Um, uh, went ahead of him, but it's going to be a real test to see if Luca can really take that next step. And I think for a lot of people, he has taken the next step. And I, I firmly believe he's taken the next step as NBA superstar. But this is going to be really proving what kind of superstar are you? You know, are you? And maybe this is what that was. And you know, really trying to test Luca to see where he is a basketball player. And so I guess we'll and we'll see that in the latter half of the season where the Mavericks go in terms of record, in terms of where they go as a team, and see how far they can get. With Luca, I'm carrying the whole team. Yeah, and then other teams that have made some moves today are teams that don't really matter too much in playoff schemes like the Pistons and the Kings. There's a four-team trade that included those two, the Bucks and the Clippers. 
Uh, the Bucks got in return Serge Ibaka from the Clippers. Dante DiVincenzo went from the Bucks to the Kings, and Marvin Bagley went from the Kings to the Pistons. Yes, that's that's just it's just like man, it makes my it kind of makes my head spin. You know, obviously Marvin Bagley, a local kid, and uh, finally going out to Detroit. He tweeted out just today, Detroit basketball, and in all caps and a few exclamation points, which mm-hmm. maybe he doesn't have the best grammar in the NBA, but I think this would be a good test for Marvin. You know, Marvin's been off and on in injuries, never really could show show why he was the Second overall pick, and there was a lot of a lot of backlash from the Kings when they selected him over Luca. But I guess we'll we'll see now how his role changes in Detroit and how a big man like himself can really thrive in uh, the Big D, as they call it. But I think uh, what we are missing out on, and we we haven't talked about yet, is that the NBA All Star selection was just um, just about an hour ago, and the one. The one headline is mm-hmm. that James Harden was picked last. He didn't even get picked. He had to go to a team automatically. <laughs> he, was, he was forced. He was a. It's like the last pick and the the kid in the playground who's forced to the other team and. Yeah, and that was yeah. Russell Westbrook two years ago. It was the two Jazz players last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, and now it's James Harden. Yeah. An hour after he got traded. Kevin Durant didn't even want to talk about him. Oh, I wouldn't. I just, and I think, you know, it made us both just like chuckle and laugh. Got LeBron and chuckling. It, it, it was LeBron LeBron's reaction. Is he, he, had his, he had his clipboard and he was he holding he, back his laughter. He had his list of names. Yes. And as soon as there were two selections left, it was Rudy Gobert and James Harden. Kevin Durant had his last pick and he, w- he looked dead at the camera and said, Well, I need a little size on my team. And LeBron, immediately after hearing that, gets his name clipped, clipboard <laughs> with all his names on it, puts it in front of his face, and it, he's like vibrating, like chuckling behind the clipboard. It's hard, <laughs> it's hard not to see just, his laughter. It's <laughs> just amazing. I think just that that tension in the room, not only from Eddie, from uh, Eddie Johnson or Ernie Johnson, I should say, yeah. who was just laughing hysterically off over saying the saying it's nice to be black over being back and he must have told that joke over five or six times and yeah. all the welcome black like he said the same joke yeah. three times just to make fun of himself I, I love you Ernie but man you gotta maybe realize when a joke is done yeah he, just, just for so just for context for yeah. people who don't know yeah. the all-star draft it started out with Ernie Johnson the most respected man in the industry yeah uh saying Welcome black to the, uh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I just said something. And the rest of the panel's laughing with him like, oh, Ernie, come on, man. Oh, uh, Ernie, what you doing, Ernie? <laughs> oh, my God. Ernie, We're getting a, getting a Shaq impression Ernie, in 2022. Come on, <laughs> come on Ernie. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going downhill really fast now. You're joining Ernie in the boat that, that's sinking around him. Ernie, being a... Ernie just being a knucklehead, man. Ernie just being a real knucklehead. This is not okay <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> we can't do this. As I have the time right here, I want to go over both Team LeBron and Team Durant. Team LeBron has Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Jokic, and obviously LeBron James as their starters. The reserves that he picked up were from the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, from the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic. From the Cleveland Cavaliers, the hometown kid, Darius Garland. That was a shock. That was huge. Because it was early in the draft, yeah. too, he did that. Obviously, he got James Harden as the last pick. Donovan Mitchell, Spida from the Utah Jazz. Fred Van Fleet from the Toronto Raptors, And from your Phoenix Suns, number three, Chris Paul. 
on Team LeBron and Team Durant. I'll let you. Say yeah, the Team Durant is uh, really interesting. Uh, he picked Joel Embiid first, uh, and then he got John Morant and Jason Tatum. Yeah. And then after LeBron picked his last guy, uh, he, Durant got Wiggins and Trey Young automatically put to his team. So it's not a bad lineup. But when you look at LeBron's, though, you're like, oh man, that yeah. it's not a chance. But the right. reserves were really interesting. His first two picks were my two favorite All-Stars, which yes. are uh, a little Kentucky bias I have mm-hmm. here. Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, they played together back in 2015. Well, actually, I don't think they even... They might have been really on the court the a couple of times together, but they were in different platoons. Gotcha. Because uh, Booker would start with the second unit. Cat right. uh, was the starter in the first unit. Right. Uh, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> DeJounte Murray, Chris Middleton, Zach Levine, and Rudy Gobert, patient zero, joined the uh, reserves. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> what, did I say something? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just something, something in my throat. Sorry, let me take Uh-oh. a swig of water. Yeah, I will mention, after the last show, Jacob learned his lesson. Yes. He has brought water with him this time. Uh, there's no more interruptions yes. like the last episode. I know. I think I finally got my voice back after, and that was just after the USC game. And obviously ASU, uh, as we were saying, uh, Ben, how about them Sun Devils? How about them Sun Devils? Winners! <laughs> The ASU Sun Devils on Saturday night upset the number three UCLA Bruins as the students rushed the floor. And it, what a night in Tempe. Obviously, I'm still trying to get my voice back from that night. And then, obviously, uh, falling to U of A uh, just a couple days later. I was later about to say, Monday. that's a funny song to play. Then to right. also mention yes. U of A. Because we lost <laughs> so horribly in yeah, that game. Yeah, and I think that was just a... I think coming off a... And I think a lot of people talked about, you know, ASU coming off a two-day rest and... Playing three overtimes against the Bruins is obviously kind of tough to come back on, and but um, ASU on Saturday night against the Bruins, you know, I think showed a lot of uh, what I was talking about the last show. What we needed to do to win at least one of these three games is you got to at least have you got to have more heart than the other team. Mm-hmm. And obviously UCLA didn't have the greatest day, but ASU diving for basketball is diving for every loose ball. They you know, showed you, effort. You got to. I think it's the not only the best basketball we've played this year. But the most competitive and the most, like you said, the most heart of the ASU was showed. Obviously, Marion Jackson led the way on Saturday night. 24 points, 7 for 18 uh, on his field goals. And that's just, I think, obviously leading the way for Arizona State to go out and <clears throat> defeat these Abrams. But, man, I'll give a lot of credit to the student section. Yeah. And the ASU students really came out. And I think it showed, FC at the end of the game, rushed in for him, which I now have to pay the fine. Yeah, I was about to mention the first episode we ever did here. Yes. Uh, we <laughs> talked about this weekend that we have now finished, and Jacob said uh, if we rush the floor against USC uh, or at least uh, maybe even UCLA, if there are fines to be paid for the student section trampling over the security line to get into the middle of the court and disrupt any health and safety protocol that could be helping UCLA at the end of the game. Mm-hmm he would be paying that fine. Uh, I did. I did say uh, that. Didn't and I? thank God that there's only 30 viewers that we have here, <laughs> or else you'd be in big trouble, Mom, Mr. don't make me pay the fine, please. Uh, I don't know if there is a fine. Is there a fine for Well, that? the Pac-12 does have a fine when you rush the floor. 
But as a lot of students were saying, I think you remember, is that it was always one minute. We kept turning around one minute, give them one minute to get off the floor, and we can rush the floor. Yeah, and, and the students, we didn't give them a minute. And the students' credit, they did give them 30 seconds. We did give them half a minute. Yeah. <laughs> we half obeyed them. We just, we could not just contain what we were feeling. I, that's Right. I, you Triple know, overtimes was, like, enough. <laughs> I think as a lot of ASU basketball fans remember when we beat Kansas just about three or four years ago. You know, Kansas number one in the country and um, the upset and then rushing the floor and how exciting that was. Rob Edwards and Remy Martin and Luke and Stewart were all on that team. I think this one is exponentially better than when we beat Kansas. One, not only because of the overtimes, but just how much stress was in this one. You know, there was a lot less stress during Kansas because you didn't really think you were going to win against Kansas. During this whole ASU game, I didn't think, you know, it was obviously disappointing. UCLA took a four-point lead at the end of the second half. ASU had to come back and, and rally back and tie the game and take it to overtime. But in Kansas, there was more of a feeling, well, Kansas getting ready to run, run away, and ASU was just kind of hanging in there. For a lot of this game, ASU had the lead. You know, we were up by 12 at one point in the second half, and it looked like, man, this could be at least like a 15-point win if ASU keeps right. up their momentum. But one problem that ASU has had is keeping momentum and uh, obviously we saw that on Monday night um, against the Arizona Wildcats after taking a four, a 16-3 lead. I was going to say 14-3. Was it really 16-3? It was 16-3. Oh and when uh, Tommy Lloyd took his first time out, student section was going crazy, and then we and then the U of A tied it 18-18. to It's yeah. just, not only it's just disappointing, <laughs> but it's just dumbfounding that, you know, you're leading 16-3 to and then they come back and tie it and you just never got momentum back. Well, that's the thing with the UCLA game. We were up uh, by 15, almost 15. Yeah, almost. We were up by 12 at one point. And we go to triple overtimes because we can't hold it right. at the end of the game. We have we just think, oh, my God, we're on top of the world. I could hit anything. DJ Horn goes up for another three from, you know, triple yeah. defense against him. Like, mm-hmm. just a three-man right in front of him. Like, hey, you're, gonna, you're not going to shoot it, right? And like, no, I'm going to shoot it. Come on, man. And I think, Cut it out. <laughs> I think one thing I told our uh, our friend Angel, who will be joining us here on Saturday for the oh, Super yes. Bowl special, to talk about his favorite chicken wing places to have during the big game, is that, you know, I was talking to him afterwards and that, you know, I didn't really want to admit it because we were still on the, the ASU high and still our legs still hurt from rushing the floor and being pushed around as many times as we did on, yep. while rushing the floor. But the game planning by Bobby Hurley and the, the last-second decisions we're really dumbfounding. If we did end up losing that game, you got to look at those. You know, probably early with about 10 seconds left in the in the second half, UCLA misses a shot that they could have used to win it, and then that um, they put up a short from, shot from almost half court, banks off, and we go to overtime. It's just like it's unbelievably, you know, just what was going on in my mind, and just saying, man, if we lose that game, mm-hmm. if we lose this game, I'm gonna be looking at that. You had a timeout to use. He did have a timeout, right? He did have a timeout. I, I, th- I was thinking, like, did he have a timeout? Yeah, right he did have he a did timeout. That, I was texting my dad back and forth because he texted all caps, what are we doing mm-hmm. with the exclamation points and question marks, and I took a picture of the Jumbotron because it, it said, T-O-L, timeouts left, ASU, one. You had one timeout to use at the end of the second half. Didn't call it. Let your, let your player pull up from three-quarter court Banks said we go to overtime. And obviously, at the end of the day, we win the game. And, you know, I don't want to complain and say, oh, it's not a good win. It's not a – doesn't count. It's, you know, not a win for me. But, you know, I think, you know, you got to look at you got to look at it from a different angle. And I think that angle is what, exactly what we saw against U of A. Yep. And that just 
not only the inability to hold on to momentum, but just a game plan. You know, it was even with playing against UCLA, it was still like street ball, you know? Right. And then they get good shots and they were making them, but it's street ball is street ball. And the UCLA game was special. I will give you the, uh, oh, we beat the number three team in the country that really didn't deserve to be the number three team in the country. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say that because they were, at the time, the number three. So you have to say that you did beat right. one of the top five teams in the country. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at the game, that it was ugly basketball the entire way through. You'd have a couple special little plays here and there, but it was hard to watch as a basketball right. fan that really, like dives into the game and goes like, oh, this is the play that they could run here. Mm-hmm. But they don't run any play. Right. It's just DJ Horn, maybe. Kamai Lawrence, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what we just keep, we just, what we fail to see is a set game plan like we were talking before. And just a set motion, you know, just guys moving around, guys running around. It, you know, it looked like us playing at the gym yesterday. Yeah. You know, it's just, it just does, it's not working. And, and, you know, if they need to figure this out once we get to the Pac-12 tournament, if they want a shot to play, in March, you know, one you got to make a run, you know, in the Pac-12 tournament, and then you know see what happens. But that that's obviously a far, far away, and then we'll see how far we can go. Arizona State will play the Washington Huskies in Seattle tonight at nine o'clock, and then uh, on Saturday play Washington State. As we and then next week we have the Oregon schools come to town. Oregon and Oregon State both come to town Thursday and Saturday at Desert Financial Arena, so get your tickets if you can. And, and uh, those will be some big matchups. Obviously, Oregon is always a big matchup for the Sun Devils, so it'll, it'll be fun to see how that goes and how many students come out. And hopefully we get another good student attendance because it's been extremely impressive the past yeah. few games. The U of A game went all the way up from yeah. the the court side all the way to the you know top of the nosebleeds. So if you could just imagine yeah. that, you go from... You take a, a whole twelfth of the arena, yeah. the students. And the students really pushed ASU against UCLA. I mean, that was a huge help. Yeah. So hopefully keep doing that. It was just loud. Get on your Ticketmaster account, download some more tickets, get out there, support the Sun Devils, and see if we can push these guys to March. And then hopefully see where it goes. That's obviously a far, um, little bit further yeah. from now, but we'll March. see. Was, yeah, uh, March Madness. Hopefully not March Sadness for the... Arizona State Seminoles. Other sports news. Like <laughs> other, <laughs> other sports news today. The Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association have agreed upon a few things. One, a universal DH, draft lottery, elimination of a draft pick, and or compensation. So it's not much, but it is a little bit of progress in the way of getting baseball back, hopefully for spring training. And, hope, and as Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, said today, Hopefully, get in a way to get baseball back into mainstream one once again, and hopefully start on time, which is obviously the goal for a lot of baseball fans that we've been hoping for for the last two months since we started the lockout. And so, I am extremely hopeful that baseball will be back as soon as possible. Obviously, Commissioner Manfred is is um, very excited as well. I'm sure the players' associations can't wait to get back because there's been an itch as long you know as much of back and forth as there's been from. Both sides. This is finally kind of coming to fruition, and hopefully, you know, maybe it's not totally set in stone that they're all best friends now, but we can just start <laughs> baseball once again, get fans back into it because the lockout is killing baseball. And so hopefully, yeah. this will be something that really urges baseball fans, as baseball is a dying uh, sport out of the three major sports. So hopefully, 
get, get some momentum back, and we'll have some spring training here in Phoenix in the coming weeks, which is extremely exciting for myself and you because you've said that you've got wanted to go to multiple spring training I need games. To go to, I need to go to spring training yes. games. I have a friend who's an Angels fan, so I need to rub it in his face as much as I go. can. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to this right now. You're going to text me when this comes on. You're going to be like, I hate you. Yes. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> I'm going to be to the spring training game, and you're not. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. Honestly, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a extremely hardcore baseball fan. I'm a, I've been a fan of the Diamondbacks for my whole life, and it just, you know, it's been unfortunate to see, you know, the, the turn that baseball has taken. But hopefully, and, you know, it was it came to fruition this this winter when uh, the uh, lockout started and the, ar- and the arguments kept going. But hopefully this will be a turning point for uh, Major League Baseball and for the sport itself, that we can have these civil discussions between commissioner and the players' association. But like I was telling, like I tell a lot of people, there's got to be some closer connections. There's two. There's so much, you know. There's so much tension between both sides. That's hard to come to a deal. And I can I can see from the players' side, you know, it's hard to come to a deal when they're not taking it both ways. It's hard to come to a deal when they're not, you know, giving us the compensation we deserve. It's not hard to take a deal when they're not taking us as seriously as we deserve. So hopefully, if this does anything, it gives the kind of the commissioner's office a, a better understanding of what the players need to go through. It gives both sides equal, exactly what not exactly what they wanted, but at least mediate, you know, exactly what they're trying to do. And so hopefully, baseball will be back as soon as possible, and we'll go out, sit on the lawn, and enjoy some spring training baseball, and have some churros, have some some lemonade, and uh, just enjoy baseball. And then hopefully, we'll be back at Chase Field for opening day in the coming weeks, which I cannot wait for. Yeah, I agree. I, won't, I mean, I haven't done it myself, but, I mean, you've done this before, right? You've been oh, yeah. to spring training games. Oh, a lot so. of fun. Yeah, I, I mean, you're going to have to show me the ropes because I haven't been to one yet. Yes, so. it's... And it's I in think, the lawn, and, I haven't done one. Before. And like Arizona, it helps our economy. You know, baseball baseball runs this town. We have spring training. We have the college teams. We have, you know, the Arizona Fall League. And so baseball <clears throat> not being back really hurts Arizona the most. So it's nice to see it back. It's nice to see it kind of coming back. Obviously, it will be the show. The video game is coming back as well. Arizona Diamondbacks legend Randy Johnson's in the video game. So if you do have the the show, you get to play with Randy again. Shohei Otani, the the star two way player from the L.A. Anaheim Angels, is on the cover. I'm not sure what they call him out there. I call him Anaheim because you are in Anaheim, and I'm not sure how much they'd love to they, be. They used so badly want the Anaheim Angels fans. They want to be. Known as Anaheim Angels, yes. they don't uh, want the LA. I would be. I mean, <laughs> I mean, LA is your one of your biggest rivals in the Dodgers at Dodger right. Stadium. You know, I don't. The, the word LA, just I mean, or Los Angeles, they don't want that in their name. Yes. Just and Anaheim. It's already a, a long name to get The Los Angeles exactly. Angels of Anaheim. They complain about that all the time. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> they don't like it as much as anyone else. Does. I wouldn't like it. It's just like I don't want to be. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a suburb. It's close. It's in the area, but. It's still you like know, but, an hour drive. But so is Tucson. Right. You know, so if we were called the, you know, the Tucson Saguaros or something, it's like, and Tucson's all the way out there, a city that we don't really care well, about. The difference is no one lives in Tucson. Exactly. So that <laughs> that interest in Tucson's a lot different than it is here in Phoenix. And speaking of interest that you were talking about, right after I got you a box of Girl Scout cookies from oh, I think we got you some minutes. Is that it is a Girl Scout cookie season, and my, my friend here has a lot of opinions on it. I do. I, I will start with this. Spring is the blandest season <laughs> out of all four seasons. Yeah. And I'll tell you one thing that makes it better is Girl Scout cookies. Yes. Let, is- I mean, let's put it on. Is spring the blandest season and do Girl Scout cookies make spring better? Yeah, I, it's, it's hard to say if it's the blandest season. 
And like you, I think me and you no, were talking no, earlier. No, is that no. I was gonna say, well, spring us hot dogs and churros and lemonade. So and, is everyone else? But it was so was summer and so was fall. Like exactly. So that so it didn't didn't really work as well. Yeah, spring doesn't have pumpkin spice. It also doesn't have peppermint. So. True. True. I mean that is true. That is true. Come on. I'm not sure exactly what Starbucks does for spring. You know, Unicorn? Like, well, I don't know. Leafy? I don't know. What's <laughs> leafy? Yeah. I mean, all of them. <laughs> grass? I don't know. <laughs> Does the Starbucks think it, you know, a, a grass drink would be pretty delicious? I, I wouldn't know. They made, a, they made a unicorn frappuccino. Right. So which, does grass taste which, good? Which tasted like, I don't know, it tasted like sweet tarts and, and sugar cones. I, I had it before, yeah. It was just sugar rush. Yeah, it was just, I don't, it was like... It was like drinking pesto Pepto Bismol. Like, yeah. It was the same color. It was the. It looked like the same kind of variety, weird feel of it. And I don't know. I didn't really. I didn't really care for it. The, the thing with this, these Girl Scout cookies, though, Jacob, is that sure. they should be year long, and they. Yeah. I mean, they could be. That'd be nice. Uh, I mean, the the flavor is just. I mean, they're immaculate. You wait for them all year long. Uh, and as soon as he gave me that box of Thin Mints, Jacob, I was like, yeah. I get these for free. <laughs> this is a dream come true. Now per- yeah, now personally, I like um, I like Samoas. I, I, oh, Samoas. The, the coconut, the chocolate, the, oh. the drizzle. That's that, your favorite? I, I don't know if it's my favorite. I think I always got to go with Thin Mints. I, you yeah, know, sure. I think Thin Mints just has that. And I love, like, freeze them, and then like, like, you play with them like I'm, like, they sound like poker chips when they come out of the freezer. Oh, yeah. So I do, like, fake, fake whatever blackjack and then i eat them and oh, dip them yeah. in milk but that samoas you know it's got you that thin mints and milk oh yeah Ooh. yeah i've like done that before like an oreo like as as Jonas would say oh yeah you know the, you, you, ever, you got to dunk them so i just threw them i just threw them in the milk and I, no what are you doing so i got a spoon and i ate it and oh god bless america <laughs> god bless america man yes Jonas is just that that's the same reason i just can't hate him for the finals yeah. Is that he? You know, just had a corn, just had corn dog for the first time. Oh my goodness! God bless America. Do you have a top five Girl Scout cookie list? Like top five? It. I don't know if I know enough Girl Scout cookies to make a top five. It's like list. ten of them, I think. Is it really? I think so. Man, see, I only have two, and I only buy two. Okay. And I freeze them. I buy Samoas and I buy Thin Mints. You ever tried the Tagalongs? So Tagalongs. That is that the peanut butter one? Yeah. That is the peanut butter. That one's okay. Yeah. Maybe the s'mores or the lemonades. There's lemonade flavor? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Have you ever had a lemonade Oreo? No, I have not. It was like my Nana's favorite. I mean, oh, my God. I've had I've had double stuff Oreo. I know I know. it sounds weird, lemonade cookie, but yeah. it's, I mean, it's actually really good. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, girls got cookie sales. They're, every single year you have these devious little girls go out into, you know, wherever, the outside of Walmart. I saw two, I saw two groups of girls go cookies like a there was two little girls at a corner in tempe uh like in the most populated area next to the the memorial union Mm -hmm. so there's students walking by them all the time and they had like a line when i was there and i almost did it i was on the phone with my dad and i said okay dad you gotta tell me i can't do this right now (laughs) i've already got a box back at home yes and then i saw another group going down the other way Uh, same campus same areas two groups of girl scout cookies and I, I actually have a story, Jacob, and you're oh, going to love this. Okay, here we go. I've been waiting all this. Yeah, he, he's been wait- I told him that I have a good story, and he's been anticipating this uh, for a while. So I know someone, uh, when I lived back in Kentucky, that was a mastermind. She was cold-blooded with the Girl Scout sales. Okay. She would go, and I, this, is, this is true, would go to Curb's Club, 
which is a women's weight loss group. <laughs> why didn't you swallow water at that exact moment? You knew this was. You knew the story was coming. Oh my, that's awful. She would go to a women's weight loss group, and she would, you know, exercise for a while, and then on their way out, she would ask if people wanted oh, to buy some of her daughter's cookies. That is awful. And she would make money. Oh, I bet she would. It was bank. Oh, <laughs> I can only imagine. Like, could you, I mean, seriously, this is just a, you know, a group of women trying their best. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this... This cold-blooded killer comes in with Girl yes. Scout cookies and says, "Hey, you gotta stop." That's that's that is that is brutal. That is brutal. That's just. I mean, and there was also someone else, same town, that would keep them, uh, in the off season and then sell them during like the summer or oh, because they last long enough. Yeah. So they would sell them then because they find it easier that right. no one else is selling them. That shelf life is is working. Yeah, I mean that's we have to go put it on the Instagram now. Now I'm just like a almost like a bracket bracketology for Girl Scout cookies. I know oh, a bunch yeah. of people have done it, but Thin Mints is gonna win it. Oh, I think so. I'm, yeah, yeah, probably because it's just the name. I, I know you want those caramel delights, whatever they're called. But yes, that's the, the caramel delights, whatever those are. Those are the coconut ones. Oh, those are the coconut ones. Yeah, that's gotcha. what they call them. But caramel delights. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the, oh wait, isn't that, I thought that was Samoa's or something. Or they changed the names. Did they really? They changed the names from Tagalongs, too. Really? They call them peanut butter patties now. Oh, shame on you, Girl Scouts. Oh, I want to say that. I want to say that. <laughs> I mean, you can still make your cookies, please. Yes, I mean, I mean, don't, I mean, don't stop making them, but. Just stop changing their names. Yes, what are you, the. If you change Thin Mints, I'm coming after you. And yes, what are you, what are you, the USFL? <laughs> 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 oh my. And speaking of USFL, it is coming back actually in a couple of weeks, just after the Super Bowl. It, the USFL will be starting back up with um, a few original teams that it started with back when it folded um, in the late 1980s. So we'll hopefully, see that um, strive again because USFL was some great football, hopefully, with different rules. And hopefully, spring football can actually work because spring football has tried to work the past few years. and and falling short a little bit. But make sure you join us in our next show. We will have the one, the only Angel Chavez here to talk about I the best wing wait. places I just can't for wait. Super Bowl Sunday and then talk about the matchup between the NFC champion Los Angeles Rams and the AFC champion Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals. Woo! With star quarterback Joe Burrow against uh, LA Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But let's see if the Bengals can win the Super Bowl or if the Rams will bring home their second only title in uh, franchise history. But that was it for episode three of the Valley Variety. I am Jacob Jones. And I am Ben Yates. And we will see you on Super Bowl Sunday. I can't wait for those wing takes. Oh my goodness.